Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Kelly Cook. But first, your true crime headlines. In Missouri, an ex-boyfriend has been charged in a Christmas Day murder of a mother and her toddler in St. Louis County. 28-year-old Sharice Garvin and her 23-month-old daughter, Alea Butler, were found dead on Christmas Day, both from fatal gunshot wounds. Garvin's ex-boyfriend, 30-year-old Timothy Brown, was charged Monday with two counts of first-degree murder. Witnesses said that they saw Brown and his car at the scene of the killings and told police that he had threatened the mother, saying that if he could not have her, quote, no one could. The bodies of the mother and toddler were found at about 7 p.m. after Garvin failed to show up at a Christmas dinner and her family couldn't get a hold of her. Garvin was a devoted mother of three children and was pregnant with her fourth. Alea was her youngest. Her two older children, aged four and six, were fathered by Brown, and she had called the police on him in the past because of domestic violence. Alea's father, Andrew Butler, released a statement Monday about his daughter's death. Quote, to receive news that the mother of my child and my youngest daughter were violently slain on Christmas Day is unimaginable and unfathomable. Three days later, I am at a loss for words and am still trying to process this tragedy. To know I will never see my child smile or hear her contagious laugh or demanding call for Dada is heart-wrenching. Butler's brother, Alfonso Butler, distributed the statement on his brother's behalf and said, quote, It's a safety issue that someone willing to kill a child and mother is still out there. And now my parents have to look at Alea's Christmas presents under the tree and know that she'll never get to open them. Police are searching for Timothy Brown and say that he is considered armed and dangerous. A Montana man is charged with causing fatal injuries to his wife, and officers are investigating the reported suicide of his father, who was a potential witness. 34-year-old Bradley J. Hillius made an initial appearance in court on Monday on a charge of deliberate homicide in the death of his wife, 33-year-old Amanda Hillius. Deputies were called to the Hillius house on the morning of December 15th, Officers said that Bradley Hillius and his father, Scott, were also at the residence along with Amanda's four children, aged 1, 3, 5, and 11. Bradley Hillius reported that Amanda had fallen down the stairs, but later acknowledged that there had been a physical altercation between himself and his wife. His father told police that Bradley was in his own bedroom when Amanda fell. Court records said that Amanda Hillius died of blunt force trauma injuries associated with neck compression. Two days later, Amanda's 11-year-old son told police that he saw Bradley punching and hitting his mother and heard her scream to call 911. The 5-year-old reported that he heard his mother scream, Stop Brad. On Christmas Eve, deputies called to ask Bradley Hillius and his father Scott Hillius to come to the sheriff's office for further interviews. Bradley told them that he wanted to talk to an attorney first. 
A short time later, Bradley Hillius contacted the sheriff's office to report that his father had killed himself. Bradley told investigators that his father told him, quote, I can't do this anymore, I'm not going to jail, before taking his own life. Scott Hillius's death is now under investigation. Bradley Hillius was appointed a public defender and is scheduled to enter a plea to a deliberate homicide charge in district court on January 7th. Justice of the Peace Paul Sullivan retained his bail at the $750,000 set in his arrest warrant. A Vancouver, Washington man shot an employee to death and then committed suicide at a Peace Health Medical building after a confrontation with another employee over his appointment time. Between 12.20 p.m. and 12.50 p.m. on December 22nd, 58-year-old Douglas Jeffrey Moore arrived at the Medical Center Physicians Building for a post-operative appointment. Moore was a couple of hours early and became agitated when he was told that he could not be seen immediately. Moore left, but minutes later, he returned with a gun and fatally shot 20-year-old Lilia Zagaria, who was working as a concierge in the lobby. Then Moore shot himself. Zagaria was a student planning to become a paramedic. She had worked for Peace Health for several months. Police say that there is no evidence that the two knew each other and no discernible motive. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Kelly Cook. But first, a quick break. The holiday season can bring feelings of stress, anxiety, even loneliness. This year, more than ever. And when you're feeling overwhelmed, pleasure is often the first thing that gets overlooked, even though it's exactly what might help most. Make your sexual wellness a priority with Dipsy and start feeling like yourself again. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so that you feel like you're right there. Find stories about an off-limits hookup with your professor or a costume party that takes things to the next level or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do, or you try a new toy together. With new stories every week, there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And when you're ready to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For Murder Minute listeners, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com mm. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipscastories.com mm. Get in touch with yourself at dipsystories.com mm. Staying healthy and strong is more important than ever for me it's all about keeping my energy going and my immune system strong. 
So to help me stay resilient and well, I've started taking supplements from Objective Wellness. Objective offers targeted solutions like better sleep, firmer skin, or a healthy immune system. Their products are crafted with high-quality ingredients backed by science that are shown to deliver specific results. Behind each ingredient, there are scientific studies and endless hours of research. Objective sources active extracts from blueberries, saffron, and even microalgae, which provides an antioxidant 6,000 times stronger than vitamin C. And Objective knows that wellness looks different on everyone and that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Just choose your objective and let them take care of the rest, like focus and clarity, immune and wellness, fast asleep, wide awake, or dream skin. Whatever your goal, they have a solution for every objective to keep you feeling good day in and day out. Objective helps me feel my best and they can help you too. Go to objectivewellness.com and use the code MURDERMINUTE to get 20% off your first order. If you're not completely satisfied, you get a full refund. That's the objective promise. Again, that's objectivewellness.com code MURDERMINUTE for 20% off. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products discussed or advertised are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Murder Minute. In 1981, 15-year-old Kelly Jane Evelyn Cook, her parents and her siblings, were among the less than 400 residents living in the small village of Standard in Alberta, Canada. Like many teenage girls her age, Kelly worked as a babysitter once or twice a week for the families in the area to earn some extra pocket money. All of the arrangements were made by telephone. At 8.20 a.m., on Wednesday, April 22, 1981, Kelly received a call. The man on the phone said that his name was Bill Christensen and that he needed a babysitter that evening. Though she didn't know the man, Christensen was a common surname in the area and he seemed acquainted with the neighbors. Christensen offered to pick Kelly up that evening and return her home at midnight. Kelly asked her mother, Marion, for permission. She agreed, and Bill Christensen told Kelly that he would be there at 8.30 p.m. that evening to collect her. Twelve hours later, a full-sized, cream-colored North American car pulled up to Kelly's house and honked. As always, Kelly promised her parents that she would call them once she arrived to the house. Kelly said goodbye, and her mother watched as she walked out to the car, got into the front passenger seat, and the car drove away. But Kelly never called. 
By 9.30 p.m., Kelly's mother was getting nervous. I started phoning her friends, Marion would later recount. I phoned the postmistress to ask if anyone new moved to town, and I called my friend at the bank and asked her, too. Midnight came, but the cream-colored car did not. Kelly never came home. Marion called the police. They wasted no time. Police immediately questioned every Christensen family in town. But none of them had ever heard of a Bill Christensen. Forty officers and hundreds of locals started looking for Kelly. Every house in the small village of Standard and every corner of town was searched. But there was no sign of her. The phone call that Kelly received that morning was traced to a local gas station. Then one of Kelly's friends came forward. She had also received a phone call from a man calling himself Bill Christensen. He asked her to babysit on April 18th, but she was busy, so she recommended Kelly and gave him her phone number. That phone call was also traced. It was made at the Standard Hotel bar. The staff told police that they remembered the man who made the call. He had been rude to them when he asked to use their telephone. A telephone operator also informed police that at 10 p.m. the night of Kelly's disappearance, they received a strange call from a payphone in Husser, 20 minutes away from Standard. The operator said that they heard a woman screaming just before the call was cut off. The community searched for weeks. Then, on June 28, 1981, two months after her abduction, a teenager riding his dirt bike found Kelly's body in the Chin Lake Reservoir, about two and a half hours from Standard. She had been bound with rope and tied fully clothed to cinder blocks to weigh her down before her body was dumped into the reservoir. Were it not for a drought which lowered the lake's water levels, her body may never have been spotted. After two months in the water, Kelly's body was so badly decomposed that she had to be identified through dental records. An autopsy revealed no sign of sexual assault. Her cause of death may have been asphyxiation, but little was certain due to her advanced state of decomposition. Police had the reservoir dragged and searched, but no other evidence was found. Several months later, more young girls in Alberta reported receiving calls from a strange man 
looking for a babysitter. Like Kelly, the man offered to pick them up. And like Kelly's friend, when they turned down his offer, the man always asked for another babysitter's number. The calls came from local payphones. Police believed that the killer was from the area and that he planned the crime for weeks or months. A sketch of the man known as Bill Christensen was released and distributed at the time. But no arrests were ever made. In the almost 40 years since Kelly's disappearance, over 2,000 possible suspects have been looked at by police, including several known serial killers and sex offenders who were active in Alberta in 1981. But over the decades, many of these potential suspects have passed away. It's just life now, Kelly's younger sister Marnie told the Global News in 2016. It's just what we've had to learn to live with. There's no acceptance in it. There's no closure, if you want to use that word. If it all changed tomorrow, and we had all those answers, I don't know if any of us are prepared for that. Justice makes that individual accountable, but it doesn't bring her home. It doesn't change it. Kelly Cook's murder remains unsolved, but her case remains open, and the Village of Standard is offering a $100,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of Kelly's killer. They told us years ago that it would more than likely be solved through a deathbed confession or a turn of events in people's lives. Marnie told the Drumheller Mail in 2018, a scorned wife or a girlfriend who would just say, I'm not keeping your secret anymore. If you or someone you know has information about this case, call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder Minute.